Welcome to the A Better Way to Farm podcast, where we share serious secrets about profitable farming. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope that you'll love the knowledge we share not only with you today, but also in future episodes. So let's get right into it. Good evening. Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we spend every day helping farmers increase profit and improve their yields. Guys, happy holidays to you through this season. I hope it finds you blessed. I got to open with a big shout out to my friends, Jerry and Jane Cox. We've been friends of theirs for 21 years, and it's been a blessing to have them in our life and to get to do things together. And we had Christmas this evening, and this is a gift from Jerry and Jane, and I love it very much. I would like to see some of your Christmas attire that you have. Post some pictures up here on the page, and I'm sure Karen would love to see those. So tonight, we're going to do the 12 days of nutrients. Day three, we're going to do potassium. To open with, let's talk about some of the things that are well-known that potassium does. What does the cheat sheet tell us that you're looking for with potassium? Things like carbohydrate metabolism and the breakdown and translocation of starches, increasing photosynthesis, increasing water use efficiency. It's essential to protein synthesis. It's important in fruit formation. It activates the enzyme systems in the plant. It improves the quality of the seed and it increases disease resistance. Two of these guys really jump out at me. Number one, you know, we talk about working with us. One of our goals, one of the things that we do, that we know we do, is we make you more drought tolerant or more drought resistant. Because the fact of the matter is, life's pretty simple. Just figure out how it works and get on the right side of it. And we have been able to figure some things out in regard to being drought tolerant or drought resistant. And one of them is the right kind of potassium applied in the right place at the right time. Now, it's not always going to be, I'm going to talk about tonight because this is one of the things the industry gets really, really wrong. They are using the wrong product. They're putting it on at the wrong place. They're putting it on at the wrong time. It's just really not, not very well done. One of my heroes in life is, I'll give a big shout out to Dr. Mulvaney from University of Illinois. I encourage you. If you find tonight interesting, go to our podcast platform and take a look at what Dr. Mulvaney had to say. We did two podcasts with him, Dr. Richard Mulvaney from the University of Illinois. Tremendous guy, really turns the world upside down when you listen to him. But know this, his deal is not based on somebody giving him a commission. His deal is based on the truth. And he is very adamant about what the truth is. And he and another PhD over there did a bunch of work. And they figured out some things that the industry hasn't exactly accepted, but they are the truth. And so if you would be interested in better fruit formation, increased disease resistance. Guys, we've got tar spot coming. It was in 75 of the 99 counties in Iowa this year. I don't think it was in Iowa at all last year. Started out just a few years ago in six counties in northwest Indiana. And now it's in a whole bunch of counties in Illinois, whole bunch of Wisconsin, whole bunch of Minnesota three quarters of the state of Iowa, and it's spreading very rapidly. And so I want to encourage you to get some disease uh, resistant, get some tar spot resistant hybrids, but let's also do what we can. One of those things is adequate potassium in the plant. The key phrase is in the plant, not adequate potassium applied to the soil, anything except in the plant. We've got to make sure we get those percentages right, those ratios right. One of the many things that we hear talked about is potassium being positionally unavailable. When we have positional unavailability, and it can be with any of the nutrients, okay, any of the nutrients. You know, we see times when nitrogen is down 18 inches and the roots only go 14. 
So it's positionally unavailable. It's there, it's just not available. We can see potassium broadcast all over the soil and maybe we apply it a lot, but we're not getting it into the plant. You know, we have the age old problem of blowing something over the top and then it doesn't migrate very well and it sets on the top, but your roots are growing down. Your roots don't go down and come back up and say, hey man, I think there's a lot of phosphorus, a lot of potassium up here on top. Let's go get that. No, they go down. That's what they do. I think it is important to remember this in regards to potassium. You know, back in the day when I first started, a lot of people who, if they did use star, they're using 1034 O, 1034-nothing. And my good friend Jerry Cox, the one who gifted this to me, him and his wife, brought to me some slides from Pioneer. And it actually shows that in the first 45 days of that corn plant's life, it requires more potassium than it does phosphorus. The uptake of potassium has to be higher. We know the study that was done at Purdue was published at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. What they said was they were studying uptake rates. I'm not worried about removal rates. Those are pretty consistent, pretty well known, but nobody had studied uptake rates. And what Purdue did was they went out and they said, look, to grow 175 bushel corn, it takes about 255 pounds of K into the plant to do it. If you don't get 255 pounds of K in the plant, you don't get the yield. You don't get 175 bushel. And here's the really scary part. To move from 175 to 250, in other words, to just add another 75, not even 50%, you have to almost double the K uptake. The K uptake goes from 255 to 475. It goes up an enormous amount just to move up the yield curve 75 bushel. And so there's a lot of things here we've got to figure out. We've got to say, how are we going to make this work? Now, before I launch off into a lot of the things I want to talk about, I want to share with you something Right here, go to Midwest Labs and print off bulletin 167, number 167. This is a chart that shows you the different ratings that are used to get high, low, medium, whatever levels on a lot of your nutrients. Everything from potassium, magnesium, calcium, the whole shebang, and it shows you what those are, what's low, what's very low. Now, potassium, magnesium, calcium, and sodium are relevant to CEC. Phosphorus, no. Zinc, no. Organic matter, no. Sulfur, no. None of those. But potassium is the one I want to talk about tonight because here is a game that is played, guys. This chart will tell you that if you have a CEC of 5 and a potassium level of 91 parts per million, you have high potassium for your soil. They will also tell you that if you have a CEC of 20 and you have 79 parts per million, you're considered very low. So in other words, a number <laughs> that was high at a CEC of five is actually considered very low at a CEC of 25. At 25, it's gotta be 98. And I say that, guys, because most of these people who are working selling potassium are working off of this chart and they're using the numbers for a CEC of 30. What does that mean? That means that if you have a CEC of 30, you need to have 189 parts per million to be medium, just to be medium. But if you have 139 parts per million and you have a CEC of only 10, you're already in the high range. Guys, we're trying to defy the laws of chemistry when we try to build these levels. And Dr. Mulvaney says it is important to understand that sometimes the more potassium chloride you put on, the less potassium you have. And here's why. How does a plant get potassium in it? Well, you can foliar feed it, that's one way, but you won't foliar feed enough to get the job done. You'll just get enough to make it healthier and increase yield. 
But the way it gets the lion's share, if you're going to get 450 pounds of K into a corn crop, what you're going to have to do is figure this out. And the roots go down, then they go in, they put out little hair roots that go in between the soil colloid or the, so the clay layers, in between those clay particles. And those clay particles have potassium right on the outside of them. And the roots exude an acid that goes out and it extracts that potassium from that clay particle and it draws it back into the plant. So what happens when we put on a lot of potassium chloride? We actually collapse that soil. We make it tighter. The roots can't get in between those clay particles near as well. The clay particles are packed in tighter. So we can actually have less available K coming back into the plant. And Dr. Mulvaney gives a far better explanation of this than I do. And I please ask you, go listen to that podcast and let him help you make some serious money. But I want to make sure you understand when they're trying to build your potassium levels, the question that we need to ask is, is this going to work? Can I do that based on my CEC? And this chart 167 empowers you. What we're interested in, guys, is empowering you to make good decisions, that we give you enough information we give you enough knowledge. It's why we do the two-day fundamentals of agronomy program so that you can control your own destiny and you are not dependent upon me nor anyone else to be able to make good, sound, fundamental agronomic decisions. This is one of the tools in your arsenal that you need to grab a hold of. So let's talk about what some of the different authors say. What does uh, Donald Schrieffer have to say here? And in his book, From the Soil Up, He's got two or three things that I found exceedingly relevant. And there's some other things that we're going to talk about in here that we've figured out over the last 29 years. Here's the first thing he says. Keep in mind that 0060 is a salt and as such can be harmful to roots and even to soil life. This salt factor must be taken into consideration. He goes on to say that when you put on 0060, which is potassium chloride, that your hope will be that it will, the K will break off and attach to the negative soil particle and that the chlorine will leach out or combine with calcium or calcium chloride. Calcium chloride is road salt. So you're actually creating, the best you can hope for is that you're creating road salt in your soil. That's the best that you can hope for. He talks about another source of being potassium sulfate, which we like. It's a 50% K2O, 0050, and it has 17% sulfur. He explains that this is a tremendous and excellent product, and I totally agree with that. Oftentimes, potassium sulfate is more expensive than 0060 until you figure in two things, the value of the sulfur and the fact that you're not producing salt in your soil. So that would make a tremendous difference. As we look at some of the different things here that he has to say about this, he says that it is important to understand that potassium can be found within three positions in the soil. Number one is the unavailable potassium. It is important to understand there are thousands and thousands and thousands of tons of potassium in every acre of the soil, but a lot of it's unavailable. There's slowly available potassium because what happens there is your clay particles are unique. They're extremely small, and each particle has two or three distinct layers. They're like an accordion. And so they're a storehouse for potassium. What we've got to do is figure out how to get these layers to open up so that the roots can get in and get it. And then number three would be your readily available potassium. That's the stuff that is held that is readily exchangeable and will deplete the storehouse. You know, and as K will move in and out between those clay layers to maintain an equilibrium within the soil, 
That's the stuff that we can grab a hold of really quick. And guys, I want to talk about the fact that I still believe the best way for you to build potassium levels is to force feed the plant. Potassium leaches out of a corn stalk very, very quickly, very quickly. And so if we can go out there, we have a potassium thiosulfate that we can put right in the row, one gallon. And then if you're needing more than that, we can go off to the side and go in a two by two band or through some bandits or something along those lines. We can even wide drop someone to put more on. But if we force feed that plant and we end up with a lot more K in the plant, it will recycle very quickly. And it is in that third form that is the readily available form. And that's what we're after. Schrieffert talks about the fact that timing of potash application is really important on low CEC soils. In order to produce high yields, we must apply more potassium than the soil can hold. And it should be done in the spring rather than the fall. Banding would be superior to broadcasting, especially on lower CEC soils. Surface banding of this cation would not be done on a clay soil because it would not penetrate into the root zone. In other words, guys, one of our credos is the fact that I will not always tell you what you want to hear, but I will tell you the truth. And dropping potassium sulfate on top of the ground is not very effective because it doesn't move. And the higher your clay content, the less it's going to move, the less it's going to work. Guys, a couple things I want you to be thinking about. One of the things that we know is it is ultra important to understand potassium in relationship to magnesium. And that is a ratio that we discovered with Jerry Cox. He was the one that worked with me on this and we discovered, figured this deal out. I'd been studying it and Jerry shared about some description in his, you know, a, a, a deficiency, basically it looks a lot like a nitrogen deficiency, but here's the deal. If you're looking at your corn plants and the edges are dying and it's the old growth down at the bottom, the old growth edges are dying, K is your first likelihood. Rip it off, get you some tissue test and confirm it, but it's probably a potassium deficiency. Now, the other thing you can have is, is you can actually have enough potassium, but you have a magnesium deficiency. And that ratio we see off in two different directions, okay? If your potassium level in parts per million is greater than your magnesium level, then you're going to have a magnesium problem. You're going to have a magnesium deficiency. If your magnesium gets more than five times your potassium level, then you're going to have a potassium shortage. Why is that? Because potassium and magnesium compete for sites to absorb into the plant. And when you have those that competition, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. All right? And so what we have to do here is get that right. Now, it's an easy thing to fix. If you've got too much K, then we apply a little magnesium. If you've got too much magnesium, we apply a high K starter. So it's something that we can work around. But Schrieffert talked about this, that your mag levels must be checked in making potassium recommendations. High potash applications that are on marginal and magnesium can cause a big magnesium deficiency. And we want to make sure that we're not creating deficiencies as we work through this and take a look at what we're doing. I can't reiterate enough what I think of this chart from Midwest Labs. I think it's something that will make you a lot of money to look at and study. This whole handbook of theirs is simple reading, actually. Very good. It will help you to empower you to make better decisions. And I want to encourage you to do that. Also, working here out of hands-on agronomy with uh, Neil Kinsey. And as we look at what Neil has to say about this, here's an interesting fact. The average Midwestern soil, if you measure all the potassium in it, has between 30,000 and 50,000 pounds in the top seven inches. In the top seven inches. 
I have read that in the top 12 feet of soil on the average Iowa farm, there's a half a million pounds of K. One half million pounds. The question is, how do we get roots down far enough to grab it? How do we force it into the plant? And how do we bring it back up into the residue and then recycle it and get it into that top six inches where we want it? That's the bottom line. And the key here, according to Kinsey, is to get your microbial activity going on because that increases pore space. Organic matter is still your friend. Everything we can do to build organic matter is better. Everything that we do that destroys it is not good. And we need to rethink all of those things. And we got to be geared and doing everything towards that. pH is very important. He talks about the fact that if your pH is above 6.5, do not put muriate of potash or potassium chloride or sulfate of potash, potassium sulfide, on in the fall. Okay? If your pH is above 6.5, do not fall apply K. Not my words. These guys with PhDs words. Okay? These guys who have spent 50 years studying, working as hard as they can, and he flat says it is wrong to put it on in the fall. See, we're looking at the, in my opinion, potassium chloride is the wrong problem because it creates road salt in your soil, among other things. It causes more compaction. It packs the clay layers together. It makes it harder for your roots to extrude the potassium that is in there. And then he just flat talks about the fact that if it's above 6.5, then all of a sudden it's really wrong to put it on the fall. As a matter of fact, he says, I tell my clients, if your soil pH is above six and a half, do not put potassium on in the fall unless you have a significant deficiency. You don't even apply it in the fall for winter wheat. That's pretty strong. Potash will tr exhibit a tremendous increase between fall and spring once the decomposition of the crop residue takes place. And that is because it does readily leach out of the corn stalks. And that's important to understand because we're trying to build that and that's the best way to do it. We want to make sure we're getting that microbial activity going because that's how we're going to recycle it the fastest and the best. It's also how we're going to get that stuff that's in that page, that phase two, the rather the, the kind of unavailable or the kind of available and how we're going to get the stuff that is completely unavailable to start breaking down and become available. Bearing in mind, we got 50,000 pounds out there. We just got to figure out how to get it in a form that we can get it into the plant. Growers who listen to academia will only build the potassium up when the pH is below 6.5. There, He's saying that if you want to go into a build program, it will only work, and it might only work, it might work, and it will only work if you have a pH of less than 6.5. It's important to get it, but the fact of the matter is, guys, some of you out there, your granddad, when in, my grandpa was in a build program in 1964, and I can take you to that ground today, and the K levels are probably not any better and maybe worse than they were in 65. Why is that? Well, because we've put a lot of potash on there. We've compacted that soil. We have taken what was there readily. There's 50,000 pounds there that God put there. We just got to figure out how to get it to become available, guys. And so that's what we're going to do. He goes on to talk about the fact that whenever magnesium gets higher and higher, the soil gets tighter and tighter and your potassium availability goes down. That's why we don't want to apply. It depends. If we have low mag soils, we might want a high mag lime. If we have magnesium levels like we have here at my own farm, we don't want to put any additional magnesium on because that creates even more compaction and makes potassium harder to get. And it really, really, really makes a difference in how we can get it. 
Little side note, in the presence of ammonium nitrogen, there will be a problem with microbial fixation and attachment to the soil colloid. Listen well. The higher the nitrogen, the more potassium it takes to do the same job. Two days ago, we did nitrogen. But all of these things interact with each other. There's no one single thing that's the answer. No one single thing that is the problem. But we can do things that make everything more difficult. And applying too much nitrogen makes potassium. You need a lot more potassium to do the same thing. So if I'm in the nutrient selling business, and what I really want to do, I want to get you to use a whole bunch of nitrogen. Because if you use a whole bunch of nitrogen, now you're going to have to have a whole bunch of potassium in order to do what it would have done if I had put on the right amount of nitrogen and not overused it, then I could have used the right amount of potassium or maybe not applied any and let the soil provide it for me. Another ratio that we want to look at is between sodium and potassium. In any case, if you see sodium higher than potassium, you're going to have a problem. If we have higher sodium levels than potassium, we have a problem. Now, what we have to do is apply enough potassium to get the level above that and the problem will melt away. The other thing we can do is work on getting the sodium down. And obviously, if we're in a low pH soil and we have high sodium, we're going to want to apply a lot of calcium. If we're in a high pH soil and we want to get it down, we're going to apply a lot of gypsum, a lot of calcium sulfate. And those are the things that we're going to do. And then we're going to force feed that plant because in that system, having that potassium available row placed or two by two or with a coulter or with a bandit is going to make a big difference and it's going to help us get into that plant what we want to get into that plant. The last thing here from Kinsey is this. As with nitrogen, potassium deficiency begins in the oldest leaves first. Guys, a nitrogen deficiency will start firing at the bottom. A sulfur deficiency fires at the top. It's the new growth. Nitrogen is the old growth. In potassium, it always starts at the bottom in the old growth. And we have to remember that what it does is it shows up on the outer edges. So if it looks like the outer edges of your plant are dying, then you probably have a problem with your potassium. Jumping into the agronomy handbook here from Midwest Labs, I love these guys. They have got so much good information. Some of the things that I find interesting in here that you might find of value. They have the three kinds of potassium labeled too. Relatively unavailable. Makes up 90 to 98% of the K in your soil. Slowly available. Constitute 1 to 10% of the total potassium in the soil. So what do we got to do? We got to get that microbial action going. We got to get that soil healthy. We want to increase that organic matter. When we get the organic matter up, then we have more availability of potassium. Number three, readily available potassium. This is what is held by the organic matter and on the edges of those mineral layers. So here's the deal. If I have lots of loose mineral layers, layer after layer after layer, then I got a lot more available potassium. If I've got my layers like this and there's no room there, then I have a lot less available potassium. So organic matter holds it and the clay layers do it. The idea is how are we going to get it in there? How are we going to get it in the solution? Typically in this readily available potassium, it's going to make up somewhere between one-tenth of a percent and 2% of the soil. One of the things that Midwest Lab talked about was especially, and guys, this makes a lot, I'm gonna do a podcast here, I guess, with some no-till people on their platform, not on ours, but I'm anxious to do that, to talk about some things to help during these hard, incredibly high input costs. And 
But one of the things that this talks about is that how to build your K level. And if you're going out and you're just broadcasting on top of the soil, on top of the soil, on top of the soil, they tell you here you need to plow every two to three years to prevent potassium accumulation on the soil surface. I don't think probably very many of you are plowing, okay? And that's what they're talking about as a way to keep that uh, getting down into the soil where we want it. The stuff that comes out of the plants is pretty leachable. It will actually go down in there very quickly. Potash recommendations. This says, the example it gives here is for 150 bushel corn. And I realize that that's not going to do the job where you are, but for 150 bushel corn, they only need 145 parts per million on the soil test. If that's the case, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait a minute, what do we got to do here? And then the question becomes, are we going to try to do something to get more of it to become readily available? Are we going to try and do something to row place it and maybe foliar feed it and do everything we can to get it in there? Because guys, here's the bottom line on K. It's super important. You need more potassium than you need phosphorus. As a percentage, when we do tissue analysis, there should be quite a bit more potassium in that plant than there should be phosphorus. If it's healthy, if it's growing, if it's doing the right thing. If we're going to get it in there, we talked about the fact that in certain pH conditions, it's absolutely wrong to fall apply, that it is always better to band no matter what. And so, again, the industry talks about the four R's, but we actually want to implement the four R's. We want to do the right product at the right place, at the right time, at the right rate. Guys, we want to help you with that. If you find value in what we do, please share this with a friend. Tag someone else in it and let them take a look at it. If you are interested in what we have to say, jump on over to our podcast platform and give us a listen over there, particularly Dr. Mulvaney's session that he did a, a few months ago. And if you're interested in being empowered to make better decisions, I, I talked to a guy on the phone today. Is really appreciated talking to him. He talked about the fact that knowledge is power. I don't believe that knowledge is power. I believe knowledge can be power. Sometimes people have a lot of knowledge and don't know what to do with it. If you'd like to have a bunch of knowledge that you can figure out something to do with it to combat these outrageous input prices, to figure out how it is to make your farm increase the yield, to make your farm have more profitability, then I want to encourage you that the two-day fundamentals of agronomy training that we're going to do in South Sioux City on Monday and Tuesday or Madison, Wisconsin on Thursday and Friday of next week is for you. I'm going to be in Madison. I would look for, I would love to meet you there. If you would be interested in meeting us there, give us a call, 641-919-1206. Give me a text. Send us a message right here on the Facebook page. Guys, I hope this Christmas season finds you blessed. I hope it is the merriest of Christmases, and I hope you really are having a better day. Thank you for joining us this week on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would appreciate you rating us on iTunes or simply sharing with a friend. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for serious secrets about profitable farming.